Hello and welcome to Audio Biography, where we talk about the music that changed our lives and yours. Uh, today is my birthday. I'm your host, Richie, and it's my birthday. So I was uh, trying to figure out, I had a busy weekend. My family was, uh, and my friends were really good to me. We, we had lots of fun, uh, ate lots of really good food, sang some songs, and just uh, it was just generally a great birthday weekend, but I didn't get to record. Um, and Rob, Rob was over, but uh, you know we were we were just doing other things and having fun. So I was thinking today, what could I do to get something out? Because we're trying to release something every Tuesday, and I thought, hey, let's just shout out on Facebook and see if I can get some questions on my birthday uh, that I can answer. And lo and behold, um, I asked for ten. I've gotten more than that, and I am going to go through all of them. So. That's what this episode is going to be. It's your questions to me on my birthday. Uh, oh, how old am I? I'm not 50 yet, but I'm close. I'll be, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll be 50 in three years, so you do that math. Um, anyway, let's just get straight to the question. So um, my lovely wife, Sherry, she jumped in really quick and got the first one. And you probably noticed that intro song there. And it is the answer to the very first question. She said, in your opinion, what is the most annoying song? Without a doubt, it is Built This City by Starship. Completely annoying. So terrible. It doesn't even have uh, pop music redeeming qualities to me. There's just, um, there's just nothing good about it. Fight me. I know a lot of you probably do like it. It maybe it brings back some good memories or something like that for you, but for me, it's just terrible. There you go, Sherry. I think you knew the answer to that one already. Uh, next up, my good, uh, good online friend and a fellow podcaster, one of the guys that um, the whole reason I even decided to start doing one was because I listened to Pods and Sods, and that's Eric Miller with the question. Which part and which song gives you goosebumps every single time? I'll be honest. Um, I thought a little bit about this, but I didn't have to think very much. Um, one of my favorite songs, one of my favorite artists is George Michael. One of my favorite songs is uh, from Listen Without Prejudice, Volume 1, uh, Praying for Time. And honestly, the entire song gives me goosebumps, especially now. It's... Um, I mean, it was very relevant in 1990, and if it's possible, it is more relevant now. Um, you know, the, 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 the lines, what's it go? Um, and it's hard to love. There's so much to hate, hanging on to hope, uh, when there is no hope to speak of. And the wounded skies above say it's much, much too late. Well, maybe we should all be praying for time. Just, that's, that's just an unbelievably forward-thinking lyric in 1990 it just nails it now like i said the whole song oh the whole the whole thing about i guess somewhere along you know it's like god stopped keeping score and i guess somewhere along the way he must have let us out to play and turned his back and all god's children crept out the back door just yeah total goosebumps so that's a really good question Eric. I'm, I'm glad you asked us so i get to talk about this song but yeah whole song really i mean there's not even like from start to finish, it's 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 just it's beautiful. Um, 
it's very um, prescient. It's just, it's just, um, you know, so relevant. I, 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 you know, I can't even, I can't even believe that a song from 1990. Because if you think about a lot of the music in the early 90s, that something like that is still so uh, relevant and 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 good. I mean, just the song itself, uh, it's, it's just, it's well written, the music's very beautiful, you know, George, George Michael is just incredible, um, so yeah, there's, there's the goosebumps. Okay, let's see, next up I got some rapid fire from another fellow podcaster and a guy that I've gotten to know uh, through podcasting, and I call him friend, he's a good dude, his name's Ken Mills, and he went ahead and asked one, two, three, four, like there's like five in a row. So I'm going to go ahead. And I said at one point, I said, you know what? I don't care how much you ask. I'm going to answer them all. So he says, a song you remember from the age of 12 that still stops you dead in your tracks in a good way. So when I was 12, that would have been 1984. And I think... I mean, 1984 was Purple Rain, and I was in seventh grade. All of my friends had the album. Uh, we had these parties on Saturday nights where it was, you know, your your basic middle school, junior high kissing parties. And that, that record played over and over and over and over. So, but the song from that album, there, you know, I, I mean, I loved the entire album. Um but if I had to say the one that just stops me dead in my tracks every time I hear it, it's probably I Would Die For You. It's just such a good song. Um, you know, it's got a great hook. It's, it's, it's got that, 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 that driving hi-hat thing that's going on that I, I love so much. Um, yeah, so from, from, from 12 years old, I'll, I'll go with that one from Purple Rain, but I could really just say just about anything from that album. And I'm probably going to answer more questions with a Prince song or a Prince story because he's pretty far up there for me. What is the saddest song you have ever heard, Ken asks. That's a really good one because there are so, so many. Um, I am going to have to go with, you know, I'm going to go. I'm going to uh, shout out to my, my good friend Ernie, who I don't think I asked a question on here, but he's a huge Pearl Jam fan. And when I first uh, saw this question from Ken, this was the first thing that came to my mind. So, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and go with it. And it's uh, Black by Pearl Jam. Such a sad song uh, as far as like a, a lost love kind of song goes. Um, you got the um, You got the line at the end. Um, what is it? I know someday you'll have a beautiful life. I know you'll be a star in somebody else's sky. And I don't know, is it like, I wish it was, I wish it could be me or something like that. It's, it is another so, it's just so pretty. Uh, it's, it's, it, it again, I like, I like songs that, um, that the music moves me, whether it's sad or happy or energetic or slow or, but it, it, it moves me towards beauty, and it's just a beautiful song. So I'm going to go with Black by Pearl Jam. Ken asks my favorite instrumental. That's I I haven't even thought about this one. Um, there aren't a ton of instrumentals that, that I would say I, I just go back to all the time. 
Um, I'm going to go with, and this is simply, and again, this is, this podcast is audio biography and your audio biography is more than just the music you listen to. It's like the stuff that the people around you listen to. And, um, I know my dad is a big Eric Johnson fan and I think Cliffs of Dover is just a fantastic song. So that's the first thing that really comes to my mind. So I'm going to go with that as my favorite instrumental. One album that you own that would blow all the minds of the people that you know. This one's easy for me because it's always the same album, Ken. Uh, again, this is a Ken Mills question. It's always the same album for me. Um, a lot of people have heard songs from this album and, and maybe know them. And, and there were some hits and there were, you know, it was, it was out on the radio. But I don't think people, uh, uh, at least not many people that I know, have really dived in and... I'm always pushing this, and that album is Asia by Steely Dan. Um, it's just, it's from start to finish. You've got, what, nine songs, and they're all just absolutely perfect. It is one of those perfect albums. You put it on, you listen start to finish, you get you get done, you think, Wow, what did I just listen to? Um, Deacon Blues is one of my favorite songs all time. It's got one of my favorite lyrics in it. The one that goes, um, they've got a name for the winners in the world. I want a name when I lose. I mean, how is that not something that almost anyone can relate to? Such such a good lyric. And then you've got, I mean, the title track. Uh, you've got uh, Black Cow, which is... Um, a very underrated song. It was not released as a hit uh, at all, I don't think. And but it's such a such a cool little song. It's got like a neat little um, little groove going on there. Um, the the song that most people probably have heard from this album is "Peg." Um, they they would know that one from the radio. That's the one that's got uh, Michael McDonald singing some backup. Um, but no, I think. I think anybody that's not familiar with the entire album, if they listen to it front to back, I think I said nine songs. It's not even that long. It's a short, it's like seven songs. I know it starts with Black Cow. I think the title track is next and Deacon Blues. And I think that was, I think it was like three songs on side one. Cause like, I know Deacon Blues is over seven minutes. I think Asia is over seven minutes. Uh, I'll look this stuff up later. Um, I know the second side opens with Peg and it ends with Josie, which some people may know Josie as well. And then in between it's home at last. And I got the news. Um, I think it's home at last is the next track, but it might not be. But anyway, that's the seven songs. Yeah. So I know that's a, that's a short album. Anyway, if you've never listened to this album, you don't know Steely Dan very well, check it out. It is worth your time. Okay, so next up is my friend Heather Stanbro, and she actually asked a couple of questions. <clears throat> she says, music is very personal. At what age did you realize you were particularly moved by music, and do you remember the band who started it all? Um, so I totally, totally do. Um, I, I, I listen to a lot of music uh, in the car with my parents. Both of my parents are very, very musical, and... Um, so 
I'm, I'm with my mom and I'm singing along to everything all the time. And there was this song called, there was this song called, um, rock the boat by the Hughes corporation. Uh, you, you may or may not know it. It's like, you know, it's so I'd like to know where you got the notion. Anyway, when I was a kid, they're they're talking about a boat. The name of the song's Rock the Boat, and that's kind of the refrain. Rock the boat, rock the boat, baby. So I thought they were saying, so I'd like to know where you got the ocean. And apparently, uh, I would sing that to the top of my lungs as a little tiny kid in the car and just totally crack my mom and her friends up. So that's definitely uh, the first the first song that I tr- truly, truly remember uh, have, having fun with and, 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 and thinking, you know, thinking that music was, you know, this is pretty great. So, yep, that's it. Um, I, I wouldn't say that the Hughes corporation started it all for me, but that, that song definitely did. Um, and that's, that's a really cool memory. Uh, especially, you know, in light of what this podcast is about, that's, really huge in my own personal audio biography so good really good question heather and she had a second one so she said also do you share music with your kids how important of a role does music play in your family and she says i know i know the answer to this but it's a good question and you're right and it is uh music is huge here at my house it is um i don't know i can't even overstate it I, I raised my kids on music just like my parents did with me and um, all the way down to my grandkids now you've probably seen the videos that I've posted of them dancing around to the Beatles and and you know I've I've exposed my kids to everything that I grew up with from the Beatles to the notorious B.I.G. to um, Prince to Duran Duran just everything that I love I have always had I've always had my my kids listening to it with me and while the boys my two boys are really they're not that into the music that that I I listen to but my girls really really are us you know um probably Brianna more than any because I think I think um I don't know I just think she took to my music a little better but yes we've music's totally important um I've played in a band for 15 years my kids have gotten to see me play they've seen me play in church and sing in church and you know sing on on stage at a music festival and all these things and so yeah music's always been very important um so yeah that is a good question uh, Heather uh let's see you had something heather had something on down in there she oh yeah she's i'd love to be a guest one day heck yeah i'm i'm always looking for people that want to come in and talk music um i've not really had a lot of people take me up just yet but yes let's schedule it we'll drink a beer we'll talk music and 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 just have a really good time so yes heather you, you you can definitely be come be a guest all right John Patrick asked, what is your designated chill song, the one that brings things uh, back to center after a stressful day? And his was In Memory of Elizabeth Reed by the Allman Brothers, which is, that's a really good song. Um, As soon as I saw this, the first thing I thought of, and it's a song that I listen to a lot, especially if I'm in a bad mood. So I think that's kind of what you're getting at here. 
Um, I'm a really big Bill Withers fan. By the way, it is my birthday, and Bill Withers was number one on the charts uh, July 15th, 1972, with Lean On Me, uh, which was a really great song. But um, his song, for me, that is kind of just a, brings me back to, um, you know, kind of pulls me out of the depths of hell, if you will, is Lovely Day. Such a cool song. Um, if you can't listen to Lovely Day by Bill Withers and then feel better, then I'm I'm sorry. That's very sad. Okay, what's next? My good friend Doug Bradford asks, what is your least favorite genre of music? This is so easy. Um, so easy. Okay. So I grew up here in northeast Tennessee in the mountains of Appalachia and I cannot stand bluegrass music just I can't do it to me there are two different kinds of bluegrass songs a fast one and a slow one and they always sound the same except for the tempo I just I I it I think it reminds me too much of southern gospel music which i grew up with with one of my grandparents in her church not a big fan of southern gospel music and it does share a lot with uh with bluegrass in many ways i think some of it's the harmonies i guess but <clears throat> yeah that's that's an easy one for me without a doubt bluegrass is my least favorite it's boring i can hear one fast one and one slow one and i'm good i don't i don't even need to hang around anymore uh, Robert Kublawi, Bob, asked, did Leonard Skinner and Leonard Skinner and Neil Young have any animosity over Sweet Home Alabama? Um, from all that I know about this, um, not a huge Leonard Skinner fan, but I do like some Neil Young stuff. But the things that I've seen in documentaries and read, um, yes, there was definitely some animosity. Um with uh you know sweet home alabama the uh, southern man don't need him around anyhow uh was in response to neil young's southern man which was basically calling out southern redneck christian people again we're right back there in 2019 i think anyway um so yeah there was definitely a little bit of a you know i mean it wasn't like um it wasn't like a ice cube dr dre kind of feud but it was uh it was a feud nonetheless i do i did i have no idea if this is true but there's that story that um van zant was buried in a neil young t-shirt and that was supposed to end the feud who knows i don't even know uh i just know that i've read that if it's if it's true i guess cool story i would just rather them still hate each other honestly so um BJ Cramp, another uh, podcaster, um, you can check him out at Rock and or Roll, and one of my favorite podcasts to listen to, uh, he asks, was Kurt Cobain murdered? This is a good one because, no, I absolutely don't think so. Um, but I do love the conspiracy theorists that think that he was and the um, the documentaries that are out there. I can see where it all seemed very, I don't know, sketchy in a way. But, um, you know, the guy was a tortured soul. Um, he was a drug addict. 
He knew that he was. He knew that he was terrible for uh, his his kid. Uh, he just did not. Um, he just he just did not have it all together. And I'm quite certain that he committed suicide. But I do understand the um, the conspiracies out there, and I know there's things about the letter and how it was written, and you know, can you really uh, pull the trigger of a shotgun the way that he did, and all that kind of stuff. But no, I don't think he was murdered. Next up is Paul Johnson, good friend of mine. Favorite best drummer and what drum solo is the best? Um, I have a lot of drummers that I really love. I guess I could cheese out and go the Neil Peart route from Rush because, I, I mean, he's the best. I mean, you want to talk about being able to play any and everything. Uh, yeah, Neil Peart. Um, another guy that a lot of people may or may not know who he is, who would probably, I'll just go ahead and call him my favorite because, um, he had this style called, uh, called the, the Purdy shuffle. His name's, uh, was Bernard Purdy. Actually, he played on that Steely Dan album that I talked about. If you don't know who he is, I will encourage you to go check him out. Look him up. Just a, a, an, the Purdy Shuffle is just absolutely iconic. A lot of people have used it. Um, it's uh, you know it's if 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 you're a drummer and you play R and B soul funk that that kind of music you you got to look at this guy as as your hero. As far as drum solos, man, I don't really like drum solos. Um, that's probably my like my least favorite thing. Um, at any show so i'm gonna go with my friend um, eliza hill from andrew scotchy and the river rats um, she plays a she plays a very tasty not too long drum solo at their shows that i always enjoy and that's somebody who doesn't enjoy drum solos so that's my favorite check out andrew scotchy and the river rats they're on spotify Joe Royland, also another podcaster. Go check him out. Um, what is your go-to album to instantly put you in a good mood? There are quite a few of these. Um, but the one that I will always come back to, that I, I mean, I find myself coming back to more than just about anything, and it's an odd pick, but there's a reason why I keep going back to it when I'm, when I'm needing to be in a good mood, but it's Ram by Paul McCartney. Um, I think it is a masterpiece, uh, it, start to finish just, um, I don't, I don't know that it, in the, in the last, I don't know, we'll just say the last five years because I can't remember very far back past that, but Every time I've listened to this album, I've listened to it start to finish because that's what you should do. So that's what I'm going to go with. It it always makes me feel good. It's it's um, it's become very familiar to me, and uh, yeah, let's just go with Ram Paul McCartney. Uh, Tanya Grills Abbott. I knew her as Tanya Grills back in school. What's up, Tanya? So who has influenced society more, the Beatles or Nirvana? Well, if you're asking me, you're everybody knows I'm going to say the Beatles. They changed everything. Um, 
you look at what they spawned um, throughout the late 60s into the early 70s and the other bands that were out that they were pushing along with their music, um, you know, you, you don't have some of the great Rolling Stones or Led Zeppelin or Eric Clapton. You don't have some of that great stuff. Pink Floyd. You don't have that without the Beatles and, and what they, and this is not early Beatles. I'm, I'm talking like from Rubber Soul on, like Rubber Soul, Revolver, Sgt. Pepper's, you know, White Album, Abbey Road. That run is what made rock and roll um, what it, you know, what we all have known and loved. Well, or what we did until a certain point. And, and that certain point was, unfortunately, Nirvana. So, they that said, that means they had a big influence, right? Of course they did, but I don't think it was that good of an influence. And here's why. They spawned, you know, from the, their music from the early 90s ended up spawning people like Nickelback and Creed and Puddle of Mud and all of these super cheesy, terrible uh, knockoffs of Nirvana. And, you know, they, I guess they weren't around long enough to make that big of a difference. Um, you know, maybe if, maybe if, if, if Kurt had been able to get his shit together and, and, and hadn't checked out on us, maybe, maybe their, um, legacy would be a little different but i just don't think you know dave went on to do foo fighters which one of my favorite bands he's one of my favorite characters too but other than other than foo fighters i just don't i just don't think that their legacy is that great um i would argue that you know some of the other bands that came up along with them have a better legacy i i just I don't know. I'm. It depends on the day you ask me, but without a doubt, I'm saying the Beatles, and especially you specifically said society. Um, you know, I wasn't around for Beatlemania, and I wasn't around for the breakup of the Beatles, and I wasn't around. I was just a little kid when they started. You know, all their solo careers, but even outside of music, you want to talk about a a, a small group of people, four guys. Well, if you include. Uh, George Martin, who was their producer, and Brian Epstein, who was their manager, six guys, and then, you know, the few people around them. I mean, they changed the world, not just music, but the world. So, yeah, it's definitely the Beatles, without a doubt. Next up is my good friend Jeff Harris. Uh, you know, he does a blog. He's on Patreon now. He's looking for patrons. He's looking to... Uh, he does a daily a daily thing where um, it's kind of a day in music, but he writes his own stuff. It's it's his it's his own content. It is fantastic. Uh, check him out. I will try to put. I'm going to try to put links. Um, I'm put links in with this post for all the podcasters and and Jeff and everybody that has asked questions on here. That you know they're also out here on the internets doing their music thing because i listen to all of them or read in the case of jeff and they're all fantastic so jeff asks what song makes your big toe shoot up in your boot every time you hear it this is a really good question because it's a really hard question because there are so many so 
I think I'm going to go with Photograph by Def Leppard. Um, it's just one of my favorite songs ever, and uh, part of that's because of playing it. Uh, it makes me feel the feel that way with the big toe. Um, it's just yeah, it's just one of those that uh, perks me up, straightens my back, you know, gets the juices going. So let's just go with that. Uh, speaking of which, we'll be talking about Def Leppard over the next couple of months. I think everybody keep a lookout for that. Good question, Jeff. Uh, it could have been a million songs. Um, you know, I thought about a couple of Michael Jackson songs, a couple of Prince songs. I actually thought about um, you know another one of Silly Love songs by Paul McCartney. That just every time I hear it, it always gets me gets me going like that. So anyway, good question. Uh, my sister-in-law Lee Cochran says happy birthday and asks what my all-time favorite music video is. Um, this is so tough because I grew up, I'm an MTV kid. Uh, MTV started when I was 10 and from the time I was 10 until I was, you know, out of high school in 1990. From 82 to 90, um, it was almost every day MTV. Um, I'm probably going to have to say the one that made the biggest mark on me, the one that I always think of when somebody says, um, MTV the first thing I think of is Hungry Like the Wolf by Duran Duran we talk about that a lot on this podcast I think um, but we talk, We did talk about that in the last podcast about just the video it's hard for me to think of MTV in the 80's without that video so that's, that's what I'm going to have to go with Hungry Like the Wolf by Duran Duran uh, my buddy Jason Hyde asks one it's, just, it's a total layup uh, for me, one band or you know one artist on an on a, stranded on an island. That's all I get to listen to. I'm always, every time, without a doubt, going to pick the Beatles, and I'm going to cheat on this one too and tell you, since I get to take the Beatles on the on the island with me, I also get to take all their solo work with me too. So I've got a good island. I've got good music. I'm going to be good. I'm going to be okay. I'm not going to be talking to volleyballs. You know, I'm not going to be uh, losing my mind because I'm going to have the boys with me there. So, yep, the Beatles, and I'm taking their solo stuff with me. One of my bestest friends in the whole world, Alice Johnson, asks, is there one song you heard when you were young and you thought, I want to be a musician? Um... When you posted this earlier, I was I was really thinking hard about it. Um, I know that the time that I decided, you know, the, when I started dreaming about singing or playing guitar or, you know, something like that, it was probably like 86, 87. I'm in high school. And, um, I'm you know, I was playing sports. I wasn't doing music. Um, I, I'd played saxophone and band up until high school, but... I couldn't do band and sports, but, um, you know, you'd go to the, the high school talent shows and, you know, the, the school that I went to was really a rock and roll school. I mean, the talent show was mostly rock bands and things like that. And so that's, that's when I started to feel the, the tug to learn how to play. Um, 
I didn't I didn't learn to play guitar until or even start until I was out of college. So I was like 22. Um, you know, I'm this is like the mid 90s. Um, and so around that time, um, I, th- I, I think the music that was going on that made me want to learn to play guitar was Stone Temple Pilots and Pearl Jam. Because other than like Stairway to Heaven, which was one of the first things I learned, everything else that I was like listening, you know, listening to CDs or listening to the radio and trying to pick it on a guitar was those two bands. Which is probably um, not a not a very expected answer for me on this. Um, you know, I'm sure everybody thought, "Oh, it must be a Beatles song." No, I mean, you know, I discovered the Beatles when I was seven, and that was because of my second grade teacher, Miss Shipley, who is my friend on Facebook, and we talk often. And if she's listening, I hope she is. Hello, I love you. Um, she played the Beatles for us, um, and that was my first exposure. And then I learned about Paul McCartney's solo stuff there in the late 70s, early 80s, and figured out he was actually one of those guys that was in the Beatles. But see, at that time, I, I, I there was no want to be a musician. So, yeah, it was, it was probably like Stone Temple Pilots and Pearl Jam because they had... St- you know, they had guitar stuff that I could actually f- kind of figure out. Um, I don't play stuff like that anymore, but that's that's what I was hearing that made me want to be a musician. So, good question. I like that one. Um, I could probably answer it differently if, if I had more time to think about it. I don't know. There may have been something going on, you know, around that time in high school. That was mostly just a seeing people perform thing, though, more than it was like a song that I heard. So, oh, well, you did say one song, so I better narrow it down to one song for you. So I will say that the one song was Plush by Stone Temple Pilots, and I can still play that one and sing it front to back to this day. So Plush, Stone Temple Pilots, there's your actual answer. Okay, well, I really thought it was going to take me longer to go through all these questions, Um, but it didn't. But I do appreciate everybody asking. There were more than ten, and this was a lot of fun. It was, you know, something I could, I could do on my birthday. Um, besides just sit around. All the big festivities were over the weekend, so today was just kind of go to work and and come home and you know, cook dinner for the kids and and sherry and have a couple of beers and I don't know, sit around and worry about what's going on in the world and how we're all going to hell in a handbasket. So this is fun. Um, I'm going to take you out with a song that I mentioned earlier, uh, Praying for Time by George Michael. I think that's just a very good one to go with today, especially with everything that's been going on the past week and this weekend. Um, So I'm going to take you out with that. You can find me and Rob on Twitter at audio bio pc you can find us on the web www.audiobiopc.com that's where you can you can read posts you can get updates um and you can actually listen to the podcast there uh you find us at audio biography on facebook where you can also see posts 
I repost them all to my uh, my personal Facebook, so you'll get them there as well. Uh, I'm trying to think, iTunes were there, Spotify, all the places you can get podcasts were there. So, anyway, thank you guys for indulging me on my birthday. I hope you enjoyed it, and we're gonna see you next week. Peace. Over there